in three, two, one. The LinkedIn business platform continues to be an integral part of any business strategy. In today's competitive marketplace, it is becoming more and more important to not only build a great inner circle, but to move beyond and to build large, diverse networks. In this episode, Jess Tiffany, CEO of the Marketing and Networking University, shares easy-to-follow, practical, and concise insights that, if followed, can make all the difference in elevating and enhancing your LinkedIn presence. Whether you are a novice with LinkedIn or a super user, you'll find some great insights that can be applied immediately. Join me now for my conversation with Jess Tiffany. Well, hey, Jess, welcome to the program. We're delighted to have you. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. Now, where are we talking to you from? Where are you today? We're just outside of the Minneapolis, Minnesota metro. Lovely town, Twin Cities, great sports town. Some of my favorite teams are right there. Well, Jess, let's start and jump right into it. You are the author of Growth Hacking, best-selling book, Strategically Growing Your Business, Connections from Zero to 10K in 365 Days. Now, when you wrote the book, we didn't have the pandemic we were dealing with. How has that or has that changed anything? Is the strategy still the same? Overall, most of the strategies are very similar because at the end of the day, it's all about building relationships and trust with people. And LinkedIn is a powerful tool that allows you to get your message out to the exact people you want to. You can target the right people. So the strategies didn't change much. However, some of the messaging did a little bit, a little bit more empathy. Right. People's situations changed. A lot of people lost their jobs or moved or made some changes. And so you did have to modify some of the messaging a little bit, but the technique, the tactics were fairly simple. Oh, good. And we'll walk through some of the tactics and we'll give a couple of examples of that. Now, you chose LinkedIn as the social media platform. Do you use any of the other platforms as well? Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, any of them? Yeah, overall, I'm on pretty much every platform there is. We do try to have an omnipresence with our company, but... What I do tell people is typically find one or two platforms that you can really excel on and, and go all in on those platforms and then be present on the others just in case people are looking for you. Sure. And it's probably, where's your audience? Where's the best place to find your audience? Because I know you talk about that. Definitely LinkedIn for me. I have over 30,000 connections there. Wow. Terrific. Well, obviously we're curious on how you can grow it. A lot of our audience are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business people, business professionals who are trying to grow their brand, trying to grow their profile, trying to grow their connection list and use it as a good tool. But we see a lot of fatal mistakes as well that people make, and we want to make sure we cover some of that. Now, how would you define growth hacking. There's a number of terms. We know what hacking is all about. What's that mean to you? What is it? And how do you define it? Yeah, it's basically hacking growth, figuring out ways to maximize with the minimal cost typically is a thought process is how do I do this organically if I can without right. spending a ton of, you can do paid ads and things like that. But the growth hacking methodology is basically figuring out the little niches you can extort. Is that the right word? Yeah, sure. You want to <laughs> um, exploit those, them. Absolutely. Exploit. There you go. And, and really focus in on finding ways to find the right people, target the people, get your message out. And when I say target, I don't mean the fatal mistake, like you mentioned, is buy my product, buy my product right. after the first message. And everybody hates that. So right. don't be that person. Make sure you develop relationships, have conversation, and then move forward from there. Most people, like I say, don't know how to use LinkedIn. They sign up, they immediately start out with the sales pitch and nothing's going to be a quicker turnoff than that or somebody's going to disqualify you and disconnect you from the network. Now, what it isn't then is it isn't just immediately, let's get on, 
let's make a direct solicitation. It's about nurturing those relationships, right? And finding those. So do you use that hand in hand with the navigator, sales navigator tool for searching or is LinkedIn by itself adequate enough? Yeah, LinkedIn itself is adequate enough for most people. However, if you're doing a lot of searching and things like that, they do cut you off. When I originally was building the business in the book, you could search more if you wanted to. So the workaround now is you can Google stuff and then click the link for the LinkedIn because LinkedIn almost always shows up first. So you could get around that if you need to. But you can also work through groups and other things so that you don't have to use your search, your limited amount of searches so you can get around it if you like. So those are kind of some of the little hacks to get around and still do things on the cheap if you like. But I do use Sales Navigator now because it's a great tool. Yeah. And it's a great I tool. Have over 80 things I can pick from for filters. And mm-hmm. So it's just, if you can afford it, it's definitely a way to go, I would say. Yeah, it's good fine tuning. Now, a lot of people with LinkedIn, they'll sign up on LinkedIn and they maybe put a banner out there. Their profile is something simple. Then they wait for the phone to ring or for them to get busy. And a lot of people will connect, but then there's no further conversation. There's really a strategy to this, isn't there? Define our profile, but then start an engagement or a conversation that's not necessarily related to what we're selling, the product or service. You have a process that you recommend. Yeah. So the big thing is, first of all, you have to have a profile that people find magnetic. So there is an entire strategy about inbound marketing, where you're basically just based on your really clear messaging, getting people to click on you and find you. And it's kind of a combination of using search engine optimization within the platform because it is a giant search engine for people. So if you have the right keywords in the right places, you don't want to use words like SEO ninja because nobody searches for just ninja, but right. they do search for SEO expert or SEO technologist or whatever words that they do use. If you can build a profile that's very good looking, attractive, and has attractive messaging, you can have a lot of people come in. And then from there, once you have professional imagery, what opportunities do you offer and what problems do you solve? So I have a, a little acronym I use POP, but just right. professional opportunities and problems. And if you can fit those into your profile, it really builds your... Uh, sure. So use professional pictures and content that makes you look credible sets the stage from an authority point of view, opportunity, what are the strategic advantages that you offer, and then problems, telling everyone what problems you or your service will solve for them, right? Absolutely. Now, if you can tie that in, then with all your messaging and anything else you want to do on your marketing, as far as your quality, your posts, all those things, all blend to growth because that profile is solid. All right. I get asked is, well, how much time is this going to take? I'm busy. My week is busy. In our work, we always tell everybody, Monday to Friday, if you don't want to do it on weekends, but a lot of executives will actually visit their LinkedIn on the weekend. So it is a good time to make connections. But is there a time that half hour a day, 45 minutes, an hour a day that they should do it? Are there certain times a day that they should do it or just fit it into their schedule so it's calendared and it's part of what they do on a daily basis? Yeah, I would say definitely if you can put it on your calendar, make a time block and set aside to do that. For most people, a half hour is plenty per day. Getting your profile set up that first initial, getting that really going, you will want to change it and tweak it over time as things change and develop and you fine tune things over time. But but that's probably your biggest investment of time. And then content, if you are doing some regular content, that's very smart a strategy to bring people into you. So. Let's talk about that. So by coming up with a post, there's several ways in which we can produce content for LinkedIn. We can do an article and where we maybe write an article. And is there a certain length of article that gets read? Or if we get too long, I think then there's posts, which then show up in their timelines, like any other timeline, like Facebook would do. And then you can also do some paid ads too. And 
let's kind of talk about those. If we were talking about, say, articles or posts are one more effective than others, I know we can sponsor a post. Let's say we come up with a nice piece. How long is the ideal post? How often should we be posting? I would recommend, if, if you have the time, if you can do it, post once a day. Wow. And it doesn't have to be amazing or anything, but if you have that set-aside time, one thing that's really quick that you can do is polls, and polls get a lot of attention right now. They're still doing really well. So that's a good thing to do. If you can do a video post worth a million words or whatever, you know. Sure, picture, pictures worth picture a thousand words. Video. Yeah, <laughs> right. So videos are good. Sometimes just text. What are you doing for your day? Different things like that. The big thing is something that adds value to your audience. So you figure out who your target audience is and craft messages that'll appeal to them, but not in a selling way. You're more of an education or a motivation sure. or different things like that. And one thing that really kind of as a trainer kind of drives me crazy is I can take the same post and put a picture of me talking and, and, or a video of me talking and it'll get maybe a couple thousand views. But if I take that same exact messaging and I put up a video of a puppy dog, that same view might get 50,000 views. Yeah. It's crazy. But the same message, but the, the imagery is different. And somehow you relate it to, you say something like pause PAWS and read these LinkedIn tips or something like that. Right. And it gets so much more views. And as a trainer, it's kind of annoying because it's like, Hey, that's just my LinkedIn tips. It has nothing to do with puppies, but for right. some reason, the talking baby commercials that you always see. People, oh, yeah. They, it's just enough to get you to pause and go, what's this about? Then they read, oh, LinkedIn tips. Hey, I'm interested in that. Sure. But so get their attention. Kind of a silly, silly get, thing. get their attention with their favorite feline or pup. Our, our daughter, she actually posted a video of her cat when something really s silly that the cat did was funny. She got like two, three million views and it was yeah. huge. It was like, yeah. wow, like so impressive. Wouldn't do that every time. LinkedIn typically is considered a business platform, but right. people are people. Right. And so they will stop and dwell and look at your cute little cat. So I don't like to use that as a go to, but it is good when you're trying to get more views for a certain message. Sure. As far as doing a meme, for instance, if you had a famous quote, something productive, motivational, you're giving, you're contributing, you use the word. You're contributing yes. to their day in some way, whether it's a, a positive thought, whether it's some content that could help them out or a tip referrals. So just do a post every day. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions featuring ActiveCampaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? ActiveCampaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. Active Campaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose Active Campaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Jess Tiffany. Now, as far as articles, are articles useful on there? There is an opportunity to write them there. What's your experience around articles? Articles uh, get hardly any views on LinkedIn anymore on the LinkedIn platform. However, what they are really good for is search engine optimization on Google. Because when people type in right. XYZ, whatever the topic is, LinkedIn is usually one of the first that shows. So a lot of times you'll get Google exposure from those articles. So if you can put out a, an article 
like can add a lot of value to your company. But if you're a smaller business and you're not really looking for Google traffic, your time might be better spent somewhere else. Okay, good tip. Now, research shows that, and I think you talk about this in your book, that the average customer must be exposed to your brand seven to 30 times to feel comfortable and to even make a purchase. So what's the, what should we be focused on in our messaging? There's Google AdWords, LinkedIn profile. How do we bring all that together? And how do we choose those connections in which we're going to start to invite them and our best ways to invite them? So are those numbers true? We typically have taught five to seven times to get people comfortable, but each time we send a touch point or a message or whatever, that goes under your 30, seven to 30 in your account there, right? Is there a proper way to do that? So how would we get to our 10K in a year, like 365? So you're looking for so many every day if you start to do the math. What's the process for that? Well, yeah, there definitely is a process. Typically what you want to do, of course, is if you're having content, you will get followers just from from their content. Right. So it's actually easier to get followers now than it was a few years ago when they had just connections, basically. Right. So it is getting a little easier, but basically good content. What I usually tell people is find your ideal clients, your dream clients, the people you want to hire in the next five to 10 years based on your business plan, your dream mentors, and basically follow those people, like and comment on their stuff. And once you've liked and commented a couple of times, then go in and maybe send them a connection request, personalize that connection request. And there is some argument in there. Some people have been doing some case studies and sometimes because there's been so much spam on LinkedIn that sometimes just hitting the connect is just as good percentage wise nowadays. So there's still some argument that I still like to personalize mine with something that draws them in because I'm looking for the relationship. There is some arguments out there that say you can just hit connect if you have a strong looking profile these days, but I like to personalize it. And once we connect, I like to endorse them for a skill or send them something of value and basically then maybe ask them a question like, hey, COVID was really tough for the speaking industry. How was it for you? And right. just starting a conversation. Right. And once you kind of have a little bit of rapport, if it makes sense, should be already targeted to your audience if it's somebody that you've requested a connection to. Right. And then at that point, you might want to ask for a 15-minute conversation or something. Just to Sure. So once you've established some value, you've got some commonality. So you've decided who to invite, who's your ideal clients, who's your dream clients, who you're going after. And then... What could be from a talent pool perspective, as somebody you make a a good joint venture partner with, mentors or collaborators. You also recommend using, in your book, going after professionals, other speakers and writers and people that might be out there from a famous point of view or have done something just to build them to your network. And again, rather than go in and ask for something right away, you're contributing, liking it, sharing, so that they can see what your activity is and that you're not just trying to sell them something. One of the things is when somebody goes to your profile, it'll say other connections or tell you other people that you're connected to that they're connected to. And if you have, say, several influencers on there that they recognize their names, they're like, oh, wow, he's connected to whoever. I don't know. Just throwing out a name there. But basically lends credibility to you and your profile. So if you can connect to some of your dream clients, as well as possibly some mentors, it does lend to your credibility. What's a good connection rate? If we reach out to, say, 100 and then we do our homework on that hundred, not just randomly going and trying to connect, but we actually do our homework. Is there a percentage that we should count on that would be a good percentage? 
Yeah, typically you're looking at a 20 to 30%. It depends on how well you do your research. Because if you only connect to people, like in in Sales Navigator, there's a button that says people that have posted in the last 90 90 days days or 30 days. That allows you to know that those are active people. But a lot of times, if you aren't looking at that, then you're going to send out messages to people that aren't really all that active. And so if you do focus on those, the numbers can be 50, 60% sometimes if you're really super focused. But typically 20 to 30 is more realistic. Sure. Now you teach in your work that people will only want to connect with you if they feel that there's a strategic business reason for doing so. I believe that starts with the profile. When I get them, I'm just going to go back and I look at who's invited me, who is this person. I'm pretty open to connecting. If somebody who I might be able to help or can bring value or is connected to somebody, I'll look at who they're connected to. I'll then say yes. So depending on how we're doing, but then I might not ever hear from them again. But the ones who do follow up, I do proceed with because I'm curious someone is how they do that. So what are the must do's and the do nots for creating that profile in a profile that's going to attract them and show that broader strategic value, if you will, to them? Yeah. In my talk, I say no Friday night vendor pictures. So yeah, um, <laughs> just some right. of the weird things you see on LinkedIn, even sometimes they take a picture, they're at a wedding and then they snap a photo. It's kind of a weird angle or there's different things people do that can turn people off just by looking. They say don't judge a book by cover, but they do judge you by your profile picture. So right. So you want to make sure it's a professional picture. Usually you want it up your face, unless there's a certain branding reason why you don't want to. Sometimes they'll do people will do like a if they're like an athletic trainer or something, they might do something where they're lifting weights or something that's relevant to their brand. But normally you want to have a nice close-up face picture so people can see your face hopefully with a little bit of a smile looking personable, relatable. You don't necessarily have to wear a suit and tie and look uber professional, but you do want to at least look professional. And approach it. Well, we do judge books by their covers, right? As we both know. So if the book looks good, the title's good, it's like, okay, so that makes sense. Now, as far as knowing who to target, so you use different search tools in order to find the company, the organization. Let's walk through the process on if you were going to connect with somebody. So let's pick a a, a fictitious company. So you pick the company that is in your wheelhouse. Maybe it's somebody you've done work for, right? So let's walk through the process for a minute then. just Let's assume that you've got a target company and you want to target the specific company and you want to make an approach and you're going to use your methodology in order to approach them or make a connection. What's the first step in the process and how would you go through with the rest of it? Well, the first thing I would do is I would make sure I do research. I would go to their company page on LinkedIn, read through it a little bit, get to know the company a little bit. Right. Sometimes I'll go to the city or state that they're in and figure out who actually are the owners. That's a good tip. I might look up Dun & Bradstreet and find out who the board of directors are, different things like that. I'm going to find out who the right people are. And then I'm going to go to LinkedIn, type in their company, and then basically I'm going to look for titles that are above and below the people that I want to target. So usually I'm going to focus on three, one above the person that I think is the right decision maker, the decision maker I believe is the right person, as well as one person below them typically. Right. And I want to hit them from both angles. So I have increased odds of connecting with one of them and then being able to kind of whisper in their ear, hey, would you mind introducing me to Joe? And they say, oh, yeah, sure. I'll introduce you. And then you can say, hey, Chris, introduce me to Joe. And you kind of get an inferred referral. Sure. An internal Um, referral is always a better thing anyway. So, yeah. And that's what I, that's typically what we'll try to do to get into a company that we're really targeting. How does that affect your messaging? So when you reach out on that initial connection request, you've done your homework, you've researched the company, you go, yep, this is a company that I can provide my services to. They have an implied need for my service 
or my product, and I'm now going to make the connection request. What would be a sample example of, uh, like if I was approaching you, I might say, hey, I see you're a professional speaker as well. Hey, how have you figured out a way to reduce this or do this? Or how have you figured out a way to work during COVID when we can't do live presentations? How do you normally start your conversations? Yeah, I normally try to figure out something we have in common, some sort of commonality, whether it's a, could be a sports team, could be a whatever, but normally it's professional. And there's magic in the word open. I don't know why I say open to connect instead of love to connect or hope to connect and all the other words. I've just tested it and that one works best for me. So that's what I typically use. But I say open to connect with other top speaking professionals looking to learn, network, and hopefully collaborate in the future. Let me know if I can ever be of service. Jess. And then they usually That's, respond. And you're right. The word open is magic, or at least it works like magic. And we use yeah. it as well. Hey, how open-minded are you to taking a look at the latest technology? Or how open-minded are you to taking a look at a new methodology that will allow you to whatever? And people don't want to be closed-minded, so they typically respond with something positive. <laughs> so it's a good use of the word. Now, do they? Do you ever get ghosted on there where you're sending in a message, you put in a response, maybe they were engaged and all of a sudden it dries up. There's no, And then how do you re-engage? Yeah, that definitely happens. I would say it happens fairly regularly. You just you just get over it and realize that's just part of the game of meeting new people. Being funny usually is good. Something like, hey, I feel like I got stood up at the prom. Or, sure. You know, just... Make you know, light of it or give them a break. Or you just kind of make light of it. Yeah. Or say, hey, uh, I know I get behind by about two weeks at a time, sometimes here on LinkedIn. I'm guessing that probably happened here too. Is there a better place to reach out? That's a good one. Give them an out. And I think the key yeah. is in normal sales world, we used to always teach it takes five to seven sales calls to get a, a gig. When they know you're not going away, if they ignore you and you go away, you just validated their position right? When they don't respond and you don't do anything following up with them whatsoever, there's no reason for them to do anything. So they don't. When you keep coming at them and in a friendly way and in a productive way and an add value way, one of these days you're going to get a nice response. And I've seen it myself where they'll, they apologize. Hey, I'm so sorry. I've been busy. And then, Hey, no worries. You're engaged in a conversation. When do you transition from chit chat conversation to we call it raising your hand or, hey, I got a question for you, or I'm curious, to leading towards or transitioning to your offer. Yeah, typically I try to offer something of value. The thing for us, we use, hey, would you like a free copy of our LinkedIn marketing cheat sheet? And I say, it requires an opt-in and then then you're on our list. Whatever. Right. And I tell them, I say, hey, this is an opt-in thing, but we have this free LinkedIn cheat sheet. Would you like a copy? And then they usually say yes. And and then we say, what's a good email address? And then I think it's Brendan Burchard, but it's the ask method. Uh, right. Basically, you just right. ask, hey, do you like this, whatever it is. And you offer them something. Some people offer them an opportunity to join a certain Facebook group that fits within their niche, different things like that. But offering something of value. And then if they say yes, then they're kind of interested. And then you might say something like, hey, we've kind of gone back and forth here a couple of times. Would it make sense to catch a 15-minute conversation and see if there's some areas of opportunity for us? And then if you're going for like full-out sales, sometimes you might want to qualify them a little bit more before you right. do that kind of a process. You might show them a little video and say, hey, uh, we have this little video. Let me know your thoughts on it and move them forward that way. Yeah, it's good. I have a digital copy I use, for instance, like a lead magnet. I'll ask a question. Hey, if you have salespeople that report to you and they come back, yeah. And I said, the reason I'm asking is I'm, I've got a number of limited copies of digital versions of my book, Becoming Preferred or Dance of the Rainmaker, whatever it is. And if you're interested, we'll be happy to send complimentary copies. Just 
what we'd need is just a CSV spreadsheet, whatever it is, or we'll send you a link and they can go to the link and register directly from the link. But you can use it for your sales meeting, topic of discussion. Again, it's about adding value, right? And using whatever tools you've got to add value. And if you don't have something yourself, that like you have your books, your programs, you can then borrow and use somebody else's or other material as well, anything that adds value. So the key is to make that initial invitation compelling. And I know we've all been guilty of the spray and pray to build connections, particularly when we get started. So the new niche or niche is important. The new target market's important. It's really about quality over quantity. I know you talk about that. So to create a high performing invitation, what you're saying is it needs to be highly tailored and you've got to answer the who, what, and why and find that common ground within that invitation, right? And make it about them. So they've got to be able to know that, hey, what's in it for me to have something in the relationship? Because at the end of the day, there has to be that strategic benefit. So yeah, a lot of it's asking good questions. Sometimes it's, do you offer this service and this service or just one type thing? Things that aren't yes, no questions, they could just randomly send something back, but asking them intentional questions to drive the conversation forward. We also find that imagery, like personalized gifts, like if you can have a a little gift with their name in it or something or different things like that, because everybody's doing messaging now. Five years ago, it wasn't this big, but now everybody's trying to do messaging and things like that. So to stand out, sometimes if you can do something that's a little bit punchy or kind of jumps out at them, you can do little personalized videos and and actually talk to them or maybe do a screen share where you're showing them their website. You're saying, hey, I was on your website. I noticed XYZ. Yeah. And it's enough where people are like, hey, that's my website because they can see it in a little thumbnail picture and then they click on it and then they go, oh, wow, I didn't know that my website wasn't ADA compliant or whatever the thing is you're trying to share with them. Yeah. Or again, use it as an intro. That's actually a good hack. So show a screen share starting of their website and then talk, hey, well, we're visiting your website. I noticed that's a good point. Now, I know you focus and believe that it's really a tool for relationships and we believe relationships are the key to business and becoming preferred which is the goal of the, our podcast is give our listeners tools and help them to become the emotional favorite. But relationships, people view them differently. When it comes to maintaining our relationships on LinkedIn, what's the right amount of time where between being too creepy and causing you grief to, hey, we're saying in touch and I'm nurturing, truly nurturing, because A, I'm on your radar now, but now how often should I be connecting with you, even if you're not in that immediate hot prospect bubble. I have 30,000 connections. I can't nurture everybody all at the same time unless they're on my email list. You know, right. So one of the secrets of LinkedIn is getting people off of LinkedIn um, <laughs> and having, right. having personal conversations, right. having them on your email list, some way to stay top of mind. Right. And that's a lot less creepy because it just shows up in their inbox and they right. can choose to look at it or not look at it. And then they, of course, see your posts. So that adds to some of your touches. They see things that you're posting. If you have a specific list of people that you're actively working with, with your CRM or whatever, then you may want to be more active in liking their posts, commenting on posts, sending them a message and say, hey, wow, that was a great post. I really could relate to that. But as far as frequency, I'd say once a month, once every couple of months, it really depends on where you are at the relationship and how soon you're trying to move them to either a collaboration or into a business relationship. So you need to judge and figure out where they are in your sales process. Are they just at the exploratory stage? Is it next year's business? But either way, you're nurturing it. So you're on their radar for the next time, right? I don't think of it. There's a certain, like you just say every two weeks on the nose, you should be reaching out to certain people. It's a little more subjective, I would say. Right. That makes sense. So we're using it and our growth hacking techniques. And I know in our show notes, we're going to put links to, you've got some, you're very generous with your downloads. 
You've got some cheat sheets. We're going to put all of those in for our listeners so they can go and download it. They can get hold of you and contact you as well. We know it's all about building trust, and obviously that comes over time and delivering value. So it has to be very purposeful. But what you're saying is 30 minutes every day, maybe take weekends off or whatever, depending on your schedule. Is there morning, afternoon? It's not necessarily in real time, is it? Or do you recommend getting on when you see them online or they're actually online? Or is there an appropriate time that's just better than others? You basically want to look at time zones that your clients are online. So if you serve people overseas in Australia, you might do different times than if you are serving the people on, say, the East Coast or something. Typically, the best times are right before work, around lunch, and around three to five when people are starting to leave for the day. They tend to be the better times to post Okay. Cool. as far as engagement and whatnot. The one thing you may want to do if you're getting really serious about doing it organically is you may want to do a second time where you do like 15 minutes or something in the evening too, just to go and engage with posts that people are engaging with on yours. You want to make sure there's kind of that crucial when you first post that first hour, yeah. the more likes and comments you can get, it boosts the algorithm. So that's kind of a crucial time. And then sometime later in the day, if you would just go back and just see if anybody's commented it and reply to them, that send them a personal message. Hey, thanks for saying this or whatever your message is. But if you can reply to them, it continues to boost that algorithm. So it continues to, to be seen by more people. So anything to help them. Now, a lot of times and what I've found, and I don't know if you have any hacks for this, is the messaging. A lot of my messaging is repeat, particularly on the outbound messaging. So I'm sending a lot of repeat things. So I use the autoresponder or on my iPhone or I'm using it on the tech where I've got just copy, paste, copy, paste, or I start typing in just a couple of key letters and it, there's the post and I can modify it. Do you recommend anything like that at all for getting those messages in quicker? Yeah. Well, I have a notepad and I just copy paste out of it. There is some new software though that I think it's Vendresso, I think came out with it, but they're another LinkedIn company, but marketing experts as well. And they're really good, but they have a little tool that you can upload in your browser that has quick shortcuts you can paste. Um, And there's another software that does something similar to that. I just kind of haven't switched from my old school method of doing it. Right. No, I understand you start working with what works. So We've got LinkedIn to make connection. And to your point, a <laughs> great, great point. Get them off of LinkedIn as quickly as possible into your CRM. Get emailing them if you can text them, if it's appropriate. If you're at that point, sending them things that might be of value to them. Using surveys to keep them engaged. So it's really about positioning yourself as a credible and an authority figure, if you will, or in your subject matter. Someone can help them or in their network. And then it's that day-to-day conversation. And that's what you're maintaining. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We call it chunky mail, sending them a mug or something that they're not normally getting. One person sent me a brownies and a little wrapper with their packaging on there. It's personalized to their company and things like that. But it's stuff that I got. It came in the mail. Sometimes you can sign a copy of your book and send that. A handwritten thank you note or thank you card. People just don't get those very much anymore these days. And so if you can do that to stand out, it helps improve your credibility. So there's companies like Send Out Cards so that you can automate some of that stuff. Typically, I just do it myself, sign a book or something, or uh, I have a friend that has some books that gave me extra couple copies. I hand that one out. So different things like that. Right. Yeah. They're actually been a client of ours. So I understand their packaging. It's a good system, good service as well. And there's others like it that will do it. We call it sending roses. And what's a challenge? Do you find demographically, like we've got our different generations. I'm a, an older guy and I'm old school. We used to go knock on doors and open sales calls and go meet managers. And then online was a learned thing for us. We had to learn how to get this younger generation. I always joke with boys. They don't know how to meet 
girls anymore. They swipe right. Everybody just swipe right to meet a new relationship. And it's like, really? You don't make the inquiry. You don't make the pitch. Wow. So do we find generationally that maybe the younger generations, the Gen X, maybe give up too soon or don't know how to engage in those conversations? Is that a challenge? Yeah, I'd say somewhat, but they're a very clever generation. They really think and they're thoughtful, I would say. So I think once you explain, like when I talk to them, when I'm training them or something, it's just a matter of explaining to them why you do it, kind of the thought process behind why you do it. Right. Because they kind of need to know why also. They don't want to know just what's the end result? Why am I doing this? And what's the benefit for me on the end? You know, and I think that's kind of how we all feel somewhat. For sure. What's in it for me, but. They're a little shorter. They like the text messaging versus the phone calls and things like that. But they like to embrace the technology, which in some places is good too. So, Well, it's even phone calls. I remember I had one of our clients, he was relating a story to me where he's got a dialogue going on LinkedIn and on the messaging and he decided to call the prospect and the prospect responds to him, why are you calling me? And it was like, well, because we have a phone and it's using all the mediums that are there. And this is just a good search identity tool, find it position yourself and get in front of the decision maker where you can, and then use other relationships to leverage into those relationships as well, right? So, hey, can you introduce me or you can do that? There's some good stuff there. Well, hacking is something that we're all familiar with and growth hacking is the name of the book, strategically growing your business connections from zero to 10K in 365 days. Is that really doable? Is the claim yeah, doable? absolutely doable. You now, LinkedIn did put on some more restrictions as far as how many messages you can send out. So you have to be a little more clever even a little bit sharper, make your profile a little better. You can't be sloppy and grow fast as much as you used to be able to. Now you have to be a little bit more precise, but it's actually easier to get followers now. They aren't connections, but they're followers, which is somewhat, I would say, a vanity measure, but it's also not because it does build credibility because people are like, wow, how did you get 30,000 connections? That's amazing. How did you do that? Right. It does add value. It also, like for me, it allowed me to get into Influencer Active, which is a B2B influencer platform. So now I'm considered an influencer in the industry because of that affiliation. And sure. A lot of different things that numbers do lend to some additional Oh, absolutely. Benefits. Yeah. No, people then will trust you and they can hire you or engage with you. And again, we'll put all that information in the show notes for but people. Quality over quantity. If you can have both, it's better. It's the name of the game. Jess, you've got lots of good things you've shared with us. And like I say, we'll put all the additional resource material in the show notes at becomingpreferredthepodcast.com. And it'll all be in there. People will be able to get that information, download it, and reach out to you and connect with you. If people take these tools and apply them, they'll be able to grow their connections, grow their relationships, build trust quicker, faster than if they were to try and do it in any other way or other medium. And then obviously help them grow and become preferred in the markets that they serve. So I want to thank you today, just for, for being our guest and sharing some of your insights with us. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. Thanks very much. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Bess Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting.